Hello, Michael Lombardo here, host of Awaken Podcast. I want to personally invite you to Awaken Dallas. I'm the pastor of a church in North Dallas, and I want to tell you a little bit about us. Our vision statement is to know Jesus deeply and to live for him passionately. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that's what we're all about, abiding in him, knowing Jesus deeply and expressing him in the world, that we could practice his presence, we could live from his presence, we can commune with him because of what he did for us. Our mission statement is to ignite a movement of spirit-filled disciples. Disciples is a key word here. Disciples because we sit at his feet, because we're students and he is the teacher, because we want to listen to his words and we want to walk in his ways more than anything else. To ignite a movement of spirit-filled disciples that burn with first love, passion for Jesus, and who are equipped to bring the gospel to this world in love and power. We must live in that place of first love, devotion, and passion that fuels by the grace of God, a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle of freedom, a lifestyle of power, a lifestyle of bringing the gospel to our schools, our workplaces, our our friends, our family, to our city, and to the nations of the world. And there's four pillars, our core values, what we're all about at Awaken Dallas. One, the presence of God. It is his presence that transforms us and changes us in his presence. It says in Psalm 16, there is fullness of joy at his right hand pleasure forevermore. If we're satisfied in him and walk with him daily, we will not be tempted to go to the false pleasures, the inferior pleasures of this world, because we'll be living in him, the pleasure we were created for, intimacy, walking with him, loving him. Number two, the second pillar is equipping. We are all about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We need fathers and mothers in our life. We need the word of God as the firm foundation of our lives, because when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. And so we're passionate about equipping the different individuals in our body, the body of Christ, to be who they are, to know who they are, and to walk out who they are in the world. Number three, our third pillar is missions or mission. We are a church on mission together. We believe that we have a mission field for our families, a mission field, like I said, our schools, mission field in our city, and there's a mission field in the nations. We want to empower even missionaries and send missionaries. We have a calling on our lives to affect the world with the gospel. Number four is family. We all need a spiritual family. We all need a community where iron sharpens iron, where we have friendships because the kingdom moves forward at the pace of relationships, because we need one another to step into the fullness of what God has called us to. And so if you are looking for a body that is going after the fullness of God, not only individually, but corporately, we want to walk in the fullness of all that Jesus paid for. We want to know him deeply, want to live for him passionately. Come and visit us at Awaken Dallas. You can go to our website, awakendallas.com, and everything will be in the description section below. Hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the show, we have an episode releasing every Monday on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to and tune in. We've got over 240 episodes now for you to tap into. Um, you can also go to YouTube. Um, a lot of our video content is now on YouTube for the past three years. All of it's on YouTube. And so there's hundreds of hours of interviews as well as teachings on YouTube for you to tap into to receive from. 
you know, amazing. I've been able to speak to amazing leaders in the body of Christ, missionaries, pastors, close friends that love the Lord, that are serving him around the world, um, you know, and so make sure to tune in there. And so I've got a great guest on the show with me today. It is an honor to speak to him. Um, if, you, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for sharing this. We've gotten incredible feedback of what the Lord is doing through this show. Um, and so it means a lot. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show so we can get it out to more people so they could be blessed, strengthened, and awakened to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so bless you. Um, but I'm going to have my guest on. I don't want to waste too much time here. I want to jump right in. So we have plenty of time for this vital topic that we're going to be talking about today. Many of you may know who he is. It's Dr. Michael Brown. Um, he is the founder and president of Ask Dr. Brown Ministries and the president of Fire School of Ministry. He's the author of more than 40 books. He is also the host of nationally syndicated daily talk radio show, The Line of Fire, um, where he serves as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity, which we know we need nowadays. His syndicated columns appear on many leading websites, and his scholarly publications range from biblical commentaries to articles on Semitic journals and theological dictionaries. He's also served as an adjunct professor at several leading seminaries. He's debated gay activists, Gnostic professors, Orthodox rabbis, and and many more. And so thank you so much, Dr. Michael, for joining me on the show today. Glad to be with you, Michael. And so before we before we hop in, I just want to say, first of all, I honor you for your years of service to the body of Christ, your commitment to the true and authentic move of the Holy Spirit, as well as biblical doctrine. Um, I've watched The Line of Fire a lot. I've followed your ministry. I've read several books of yours. Um, and especially when I see your debates, when you talk to gay activists or agnostics and you talk to rabbis and Muslims and all these different people from different backgrounds, um, just the truth, the boldness of truth, as well as the love that you demonstrate is essential. Um, and so I just wanted to honor you and thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. And you know, God's extraordinarily, extraordinarily gracious towards us Yeah, and grace and truth really go hand in hand. So we stand for the truth. Uh, as we've often said, we should have hearts of compassion, yeah. but backbones of steel. 100%. And that's really, that's who the Lord is and, and what he wants to infuse in each of us. So it's great to be with you. Yeah. And before we dive into your book, why so many Christians have left the faith responding to the deconstructionist movement with unshakable, timeless truth. That is the book that is just released. We're going to be talking about that today. Uh, before we do, based on what I just said to you a second ago, I just am curious to ask you. Um, I'm sure it was a journey on learning to be very loving and gracious as well as not compromising the truth when you speak to individuals who are deceived and deceiving the body of Christ because this is a passion of yours. And so what did that what did that journey uh, how was that journey a little bit for you in terms of learning to really manifest Christ and live from Christ um, in those conversations? You know, it definitely was a journey. Uh, you know, I'm a New Yorker, New York Jew. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sarcasm is in my veins and, and you know, being confrontational, yeah. debating, arguing is very natural for me. And in my early years in the Lord, you know, just being right about everything in a super dogmatic way, even within the church, you know, yeah. our little doctrine, what we believe that's right, everybody else is wrong. So, you know, you get exposed to the wider body of Christ. God humbles you in different ways. And for years, I, I prayed 1 Corinthians 13 and other passages over my own life on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you know, for, for the, that love, the, the love of God to be manifest in my life. 
Yeah. And then just seeing God's graciousness towards me over the decades, his, his kindness, his mercy. So it's, it's just gotten more and more in me. Uh, when, when God began to call me uh, almost 20 years ago to deal with gay activism, and, and immediately I saw in 2004 that this was already the principal threat to freedom of religion, speech, and conscience. Mm. I knew, though, that was only part of the equation, mm. that I needed God's heart for the people as well. So he really yeah. gave me a baptism of, of love and brokenness to reach out. And, and the word that I received was reach out to the people with compassion, resist the agenda with courage. Mm -hmm. The other thing is we have scripture telling us that a harsh word stirs up strife, yeah. uh, but, but a soft answer turns away wrath or a soft answer breaks the bones. And, you know, you can be in a debate with someone and win in terms of, of, of facts and information, but lose in terms of attitude you can be arrogant, you can be demeaning, you can be condescending, and that does not reflect the character of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to be wimpy and, and fearful mm -hmm. and not speak the truth and compromise, which is displeasing to the Lord. Yeah. It's another thing to be self-righteous and talk down to others. So it's just been something the Lord put in me over the years. But uh, some years back, I was speaking at a church in Texas with an old friend of mine who had known me since Oh, the mid 80s and we had worked together in ministry for a good number of years yeah and this pastor was saying that dealing with certain people in the culture wars he got so frustrated and angry with them and 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 he said to my co-worker that had told me since the 80s he said was dr brown always this compassionate he goes nope absolutely not <laughs> so all that to yeah. say if if i can be known and, and wherever i travel people will bring that up just as you did so if i can be known for that anyone can be known for that before i was a believer and even as a new believer i had a fierce terrible temper that had to be subdued i had to learn to to rule my spirit so if if michael brown new york jew debater <laughs> arguer can be known as a compassionate kind person any of us can because it's god's grace at work in us and and here's the thing we got to get on our faces and recognize how desperately we need him We've got to recognize that nobody is anybody in God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. We are just vessels through whom Jesus is glorified. Mm -hmm. And the prayer in my heart, the deepest prayer, is that God would get the maximum glory yeah. out of my life. Whatever he can do to draw the maximum attention to Jesus. So that's that's what we want. Uh, let people stumble over Jesus, not stumble over yeah. us. And, and again, mm. it's all to God's glory and it's all by his grace. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to bring that up because especially going to Bible school, being involved in different churches and movements, I've met beautiful people that are very bold and passionate about preaching the gospel, declaring the gospel, but you could always, you know, not, not everyone, but there's small, you know, um, group of people that you could sense anger more than love behind what they're saying. So there's hope there, there, there's, there's hope. Yes. You know, I remember going to the streets here in Dallas and Oklahoma, we would go, you know, outside of gay clubs and different things and we'd share the gospel. But right before we would go out, there was always this group of individuals just yelling at homosexuals and transgender, telling them they're going to hell. God hates them, all of this. And it was just anger. It was the wrong spirit. And they were just, you know, pointing fingers and saying, you're going to hell. 
And I remember we'd spark conversations with these individuals and we'd have to break past that wall because they just heard those individuals yelling at them down the road. So we'd have to break past that wall and let them know we're here to talk to them. God loves them. But then as they began to soften up and their walls came down because they saw that we were coming in a different spirit, the spirit of Christ, then we were able to come in and ask them questions, share the gospel with them, speak the truth, not shy away from the truth. But then their hearts are more open to now receive the truth instead of just closing their hearts. And so... And, you know, people will often say, well, Jesus rebukes strongly and Paul rebukes strongly. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Jesus also rebukes strongly the very people he was going to die for. <laughs> yes. and, and, and he didn't do it in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So there, absolutely rebuke mm-hmm. is something that, that we bring and we speak the truth without compromise. But is it out of a heart of love yeah. or is it out of personal frustration? Mm-hmm. Is that a personal anger? Look, it, it's very understandable that lots of things happen in this world that are grievous, mm-hmm. that are ugly. But but remember, those of us that did not grow up in the Lord, when we were in rebellion, mm-hmm. we were lost. We were in ignorance. Uh, Paul says in, in, in Titus, the third chapter, that we shouldn't slander others, and we should remember the mercy God had on us when we were foolish and yeah. ignorant as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, often we go to one extreme or the other. Yeah, I, I'm constantly running into people that water things down, that don't confront, that don't speak the truth. I've seen people on TV, national TV, asked a direct question. I'm talking about pastors. Yep. And when they a- answer the question, I have no idea where they stood. <laughs> they haven't helped anybody. Yeah. Yeah. The flip side, sometimes we just sound like self-righteous hypocrites focused on one issue or one mm-hmm. sin only. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no evidence of the love of God. So again, yeah. Jesus brings grace and truth together. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about the whole issue of, of deconstruction, there are people in the body, especially those that are not as grounded, that do react to a lot of the failings in the church. And because they see failings among leaders, mm-hmm. because they see hypocrisy, uh, because they, they do not recognize the love of God working in us, they question everything. Yep. Question the whole system. They question the Bible. They question God himself. And you can understand how that happens. So again, if people stumble, let it be over the cross, let it be over the gospel, let it be over the truth, let it not be over our hypocrisy or our fleshliness or our carnality or our self-righteousness. Amen. Amen. Even just with social media, may we wear truth as a crown on our heads and never compromise the truth, but may every single believer, whether you're a leader in the body or you're not, may we always represent the Lord in love, love the individual, hate the sin, speak truth, but also just, I think nowadays, especially with the darkness being so blatant, we need to, the body of Christ really needs to learn this, how to speak the truth in love. And so that's why I wanted to bring it up to you today. Thank you for just the truth that you shared on that. I believe that'll be encouraging for a lot of people and for the body right now. And so um, in your new book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, Responding to Deconstructionist Movement with Unshakable Timeless Truth, there's just so much that you cover in that book. I highly recommend that individuals grab it and they read it because you tackle a wide array of um, vital issues right now. Um, and you bring so much truth to it. And so um, but you start off the book talking about how many Christian leaders have fallen away. I believe that's chapter two. And then you talk about how that affects people. Like you mentioned now, many people in the body of Christ. And you also talk about how there's people that have come out to say, I was once a believer and they were a worshiper or a leader in the body of Christ, well-recognized and they've renounced their faith. We know, we know that the Bible is under fire right now in this time, in this generation. It's been under fire from the beginning, but we're really seeing the Bible come into question certain things about homosexuality, certain things about a lot of different areas of truth that the Bible is under, under question and under fire. And so, 
I'd love to even just talk about that because that's how you really bring a lot of the framework of the book of how leaders in the body of Christ are falling away and how that affects the church. Yeah, so I, I never want to judge from a distance someone else's experience and assume that they fell away because they weren't grounded properly or they fell away because there was secret sin in their lives. These things do happen. Yeah. But I, I want to take the person at face value and listen to what they have to say and find out why, in fact, they fell away. What I found a common denominator among a number that I spoke with personally was that they did not have a deep personal experience with God. This doesn't go for all, but definitely goes for a good number. When I asked them, can you give me an example of something that when you were with the Lord or believed you were with the Lord, that you had no answer for, except that it was miraculous. You may have a different take on it now, but something that was so profound, what God did, what you experienced, an answer to prayer, the voice of God, and none of them could give me anything. Mm. I, I'm talking about uh, the, the majority of those that I spoke with. In fact, with one minor exception, none of them could point to anything. And I'm thinking, well, how deep was your walk with God? Yeah. You might have a different take on it now, but in many cases, the roots just weren't down deep. In other cases, somehow they never questioned things. They were never challenged in what they believed. And when they were challenged, they didn't have the foundation. Mm -hmm. See, I, I came to faith 1971 as a heroin shooting LSD using long-haired Jewish hippie rock drummer, 16 years old. Now that I'm completely off drugs and set free, my dad said, Michael, I'm glad you're off drugs, but we're Jews. We don't believe this. And he brought yeah. me to meet the local rabbi. So yeah. right out of the gate, I'm getting challenged about everything I believe. Mm -hmm. And then I start college and I'm studying with all secular professors and I'm doing these ancient history classes and Hebrew classes. Everything I believe about everything is getting questioned. So I, I was kind of like thrown into deep water with sharks swimming around. I don't mean these people were sharks, but just the metaphor. Sure. And, and it made me question everything. How do I know this is true? How do I know that's true? And, and then over the years, sharing the gospel with people that we would say are in cults or in other religions or, or brilliant atheists or things like that. Mm -hmm. So I've had to deal with this out of the gate. And for me, it strengthened me because the more I, the more I sought the Lord and studied and said, God, I just want to follow the truth wherever it leads. I knew he was real. And I knew yeah. as a Jew, I had allegiance to him. I said, I just want to follow the truth wherever it leads. And, and what happened over time was the more I studied, the clearer answers I had, the better answers I had. And, and I found some people even writing books, questioning this, this, I'm thinking, you're in seminary, you went to Bible school, you're in ministry, and you didn't have answers to these questions or you hadn't asked them previously. So I, th I think what's happened, especially in the church in general, is a lot of the attacks from the atheists, from agnostic Bible scholars, that these have trickled their way down over the years to the masses. And even though those of us that are in the field of biblical studies have dealt with this and have answers, you know, have had answers for centuries, people are getting hit with them and the body hasn't been adequately equipped. Mm -hmm. So you join together a lack of deep experience with God and then a lack of intellectual challenging to your faith. And now you get hit with the challenges. Maybe add into that praying for someone to be healed or expecting something to happen a certain way. And it doesn't personal disappointment, or you get hurt by the church, mm -hmm. right? Maybe 
you're a victim of sexual abuse. I yeah. mean, some horrific thing from someone in, in leadership or just a scandal with another leader involved in sexual abuse. You think, wow, I really honored that person. Or you just have friends that the church doesn't like. <laughs> you know, your gay friend is the nicest guy in the world, and he's a lot nicer than the people that you go to church with. And they say that he's some terrible sinner going to hell. And the whole chapter in the book of gay is good, Christianity is bad. Any of these different factors coming up, mm-hmm. let alone several of them together, are enough to knock a lot of people off the pedestal of their faith. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of a perfect storm hitting from different angles and causing so many to fall away. But every chapter in the book, uh, in Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, every chapter not only lays out the problem honestly and with compassion and without judging people from a distance, but we also provide solid answers and solid guidelines and ways to point you to a faith where you can love God with all your heart and with all your mind, where you don't have to turn your mind off, where you don't have to cauterize your heart from feeling. You can love him with all your heart, all your mind, and you can love your brothers and sisters and walk in wholeness and joy and peace and personal integrity. It's possible. I know countless people who've done it and are doing it around the world, from the simplest person that can't even read or write to the person with multiple PhDs, loving the Lord and experiencing his goodness. It can be the reality for every single one. You don't have to compromise anything of value to know him and love him. Come on. Even Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, these are the worshipers the Father desires, those who worship in spirit and in truth. So an authentic experience with the Lord, as well as a grounding, a foundation. Jesus said, if, if your foundation is my words, then it doesn't matter what comes against your house. No matter what hits your house, what kind of storm, it will not crumble. It will not fall. And Jesus even talked about the parable of the sower and the different kinds of uh, the different kinds of ground that the seed fell on and, and everything, which kind of goes into this too. But I, I really, you know, when it comes to deconstruction, is I've been around it and I've seen some people come into a more authentic faith and I've seen some people also just fall away and get totally off track. Um, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about one of the chapters that stuck out to me was about a compromised gospel. And and I think this this plays a role. It's not the full, it's not the full picture, but for me, I I believe in the preaching of the full counsel of God, not just emphasizing one point to, to the neglect of others, but the full counsel of the word of God. The gospel is what sets us free. It is the gospel. It says, it says that the cross is foolishness to those who believe, but the power of God, it talks about, you know, over and over again, the gospel being the power of God in our lives. And so you go into these different errors or extremes, um, which a lot of people, they, you know, they come to faith or they grew up under one of these different extremes, which caused their roots not to go deep or which caused them not to, not to. So you, you talked about the health and wealth gospel in that chapter. You talk about a pep talk gospel, a progressive gospel, celebrity gospel, social justice gospel. And so what in your estimation is, you know, in terms of the role this plays, because the, like you said, there's hurts, there's there's all different kinds of things that play into this. But I believe that we need the full counsel of God to be strengthened, to have a strong foundation so that we can resist when the enemy tries to sow lies or, you know, when there's shaking situations that take place in our lives to be fortified and to move forward in victory in the Lord. Yeah, I mean, let's just think of it in really, really simple terms. Let's say that uh, you're recruited to join the army. But your recruiter tells you basically what they want you to do is is be a food taster, and they're going to cook these gourmet meals for you, 
And, and, you know, uh, your job in the army is basically to taste the meals and tell them what you enjoy the most so that they'll know what's really good for the army. Well, that's not going to equip you for battle. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get you in, in, in military shape. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be any kind of boot camp. No, it's a very exaggerated picture. But Jesus does say, if anyone wants to come after me, let him take up his cross, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's gospel 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossians 3 and says, you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And throughout the New Testament, it's clear we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. So if, if we got saved with a what's in it for me gospel, hey, God just wants to take away your guilt and those bad feelings and make you know how special you are and, and, and make your dreams come true and give you eternal life. Well, there are little elements of truth in that, you know, some bits of truth in that, but, but that's not the gospel message. Mm-hmm. And that does not give someone the understanding that we now die to sin and live for God, that it's no longer our will, but his will. Yes. When we give ourselves over to that, it's the greatest joy imaginable. Mm-hmm. When we give ourselves over to that, we realize this is why I'm here. Yeah. This is what I'm made for. This is my destiny. Absolutely. This is my life. Absolutely. Without question. But if we come in through the wrong door the wrong way, uh, we are not going to be disciples. We will be consumers, not disciples. And what does Jesus say? When testing, persecution, trial come because of the word, people like that will quickly fall away. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, when I call the celebrity gospel, hey, it's cool to follow Jesus mm-hmm. and look at all these different leaders. They're cool. And they now, they're into Jesus too. It doesn't seem their lives have really changed. Seems they're still making the same sinful movies and singing the same sinful songs and posing in the same sinful poses. But hey, they're into Jesus and Jesus is into them. And Jesus is into you too. But what happens now when God begins dealing with you about holiness yeah. and purity and lifestyle changes? What are you going to do with that? Or a, a progressive gospel that basically swims with the tide of the world. Whatever's trending in the world is now trending in the church. Whatever the cause of the world is, is now the cause of the church. And often we're called to go against the grain of the world. We're called to swim against the tide of the world. Uh, Even something like a social justice gospel, which takes stands based on a righteous outrage, but often in a fleshly spirit and in a way that is not holistic and and doesn't bring the values of the Mm. cross into the conflicts in the world around us. All of these things are either not gospels at all or mixed gospels or partial gospels. The idea that every we're just going to be blessed, that whatever we touch is going to turn yeah. to gold, that we'll never know a sick day in our lives. Well, what happens when real life hits? Mm-hmm. What happens when maybe your business fails the first time around because you didn't make the best choices? Mm-hmm. What happens when perhaps like today, we're dealing with a little hay fever, you know, mm-hmm. where is God? I mean, it's a minor thing, but what about when real crisis hits? We're not ready for it. So I absolutely believe in divine healing. I believe it's God's ideal will for his obedient children. My doctoral dissertation I wrote on the Hebrew word for healing. I, I believe it. I've taught on it for years. Yep. I experienced the goodness and blessing of God in ways that are mind-boggling to me. And I fully understand that taking up the cross means death to this world. It, it means that, that we completely belong to the Lord. And he may call us to be martyred tomorrow. So be it. It says, well, he may call us to sell our possessions, give to the poor, go to the mission field. That's it. Whatever. Lord, your will be done. Yeah. Or he may call you to be the next president of the United States. Here I am. Send me. Use me. 
the superficial message has brought about superficial converts and false converts. And that's a lot of those who are falling away today. Mm. I, I agree 100%. What do you think about what do you think about even the model uh, that many churches take? Um, not, I'm not trying to I'm not bashing on the church at all. But what I'm saying is what I what I feel like is as a body we need to do better at equipping the saints for the work of the ministry instead of just coming into a building and listening to a pastor share the gospel, which is vital and extremely important. I minister the gospel. I pastor a church and said it's very, very important. But I also have a conviction that I need to teach God's people how to go home, how to be Bereans, how to study the word themselves, how to get into the presence of God themselves instead of just, you know, coming on Sunday and and worshiping with the body and, you know, in unity and faith and entering to the presence of God there. That's important. That's vital. But are they doing it at home? Are they are they breaking the breaking bread with their family and friends? Are they diving into the word themselves, talking about issues? iron sharpening iron amongst one another are we you know instead of making people reliant upon our ministry our church always leading people to ourselves making it real comfortable something quick get out we gave them some food and they're going to come back next sunday i i have a conviction that we really need to teach the body of christ how to dig in the word themselves get into the presence of god themselves how to work through issues themselves bring family reconciliation share the gospel themselves and so do you think that not just what we preach and what we believe but also just kind of some of the models we have in church could affect that as well? Yeah, listen, I, I work with friends who have house church networks around the world that are thriving. Mm-hmm. I work with friends who are mega church pastors, and those churches are thriving. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen all kinds of different models, but what's in common is, is that people understand that following Jesus means everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one to sit here and throw stones at pastors because you've got a million things on your plate. Yeah, you know, you you've got to deal with the couple that's going through divorce, and through the teenager that just tried to commit suicide, mm-hmm. and through the elderly couple where one member is dementia, mm-hmm. and this one fighting cancer, mm-hmm. and then raising money for a budget to do more children's ministry, mm-hmm. and you want to support missions and mm-hmm. get prayer meetings going more deeply and community evangelism, and mm-hmm. even with a team of people, these things are very challenging. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sitting here saying snap your fingers there's a simple solution. It's a mindset to me. Yeah. The mindset must be that following Jesus means everything. I'll give you an example. Uh, I've I've got uh, I I do work extensively among ultra orthodox Jews yeah. interacting with with ultra orthodox rabbis and trying to sow seeds in private in ultra orthodox communities. And I was talking to one young man who's really wrestling with what he believes. About 20 years old now. And he said when he was 17, 18, so his last years of high school, that his day, this is for all the kids in, in his Jewish high school, ultra-Orthodox, yeah. basically started about 7.30 in the morning and ended about 11 at night. This is for all of them all day. And the entire day, aside from meals, is spent basically studying and praying. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and I've known some of these folks that have come to faith and maybe they'll be in one of our Bible schools, which is like a great school that's got classes and worship and from eight in the morning till noon every day. And then you do outreach and study and all that. And they're like, what do you do the rest of the time? Or we've got a really active church. We've got beautiful Sunday morning service. We've got a Wednesday night midweek study, and we've got a prayer meeting if you're really interested on. And they're like, what do you do every other day? Because they're used to something yeah, yeah. being uh, studying, praying with their colleagues literally mm-hmm. every day, every night. Okay, obviously. That that's a certain lifestyle mentality, and and it's not feasible in most of our circles. Mm-hmm. But there must be the mentality mm-hmm. that we are here to be disciples, 
that it's not a convenience store gospel, that the goal is not to get people in and out as quickly as possible, but to get them grounded. So maybe your corporate service, because you have multiple services because of building and size and all that, maybe your corporate service is shorter, then there's got to be the mindset through the entire week. How can we bring people? As one of my friends, his church, their whole slogan is going from corporate encounters to personal daily encounters, Mm -hmm. to help people do it, to help families do it. Mm -hmm. We will not withstand the tide. Look, one service a week and maybe one midweek thing, and that's the extent of it, as opposed to really trying to equip daily disciples, that's not going to stop the onslaught of social media impacting Mm -hmm. your kids or peer pressure that they live with. And and many times where our only alternative is public school or that's where parents feel to send their kids. So they've got that constant bombardment. So we just have to say, okay, if if our goal is not to get buildings filled with people, but to produce real disciples who are willing to follow Jesus by life or by death, because that's just New Testament norm. That's not exceptional. It's not spectacular. That's the New Testament norm. What do we need to do differently? Where do we need to change our mindset? Uh, how do we need to experience God more deeply? And even if it just brings us to our knees saying, God, help, because we don't know how to do it, at least that's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I agree. And so your book is about deconstruction and um, about a lot of the different things that cause our faith to be shipwrecked, why a lot of people are losing faith, why people are falling away, why people are stuck in bondage, trapped in sin. Um, but call themselves Christians and 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 are in the church. And so, you know, for for me, I've seen a lot of people go on a journey of deconstruction. Sometimes it's because they've come from a very legalistic background yeah. where there was a harsh view of God. There was uh, hell every single Sunday. They're talking about hell every single Sunday, and they're hardly talking about salvation. Always talking about hell, whatever. They have to, you know, a very old covenant mentality, legalistic preaching all the time. And so, so they go to the other extreme. They just flip flop to the other extreme of, I want to explain hell away. A good God and a loving God can't possibly have, uh, you know, a place called hell where, where people go if they don't believe in the Lord or they just widen, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. If you dishonor me, you dishonor the father. People just widen that and say, Jesus isn't the only way we're all going to get to heaven through many different mediums, but they still want Jesus. They still say they're Christian, etc. I've seen some people come to a pure understanding of the gospel while they've been on a journey of questioning things that maybe they did not, uh, that, that they learned wrong growing up, which hurt their faith. And then I've seen people get way off track, way off track with it and eventually even fall away from the faith. Or some people just become Christians, but universalists or Christians, but they've got a really odd view of hell that does not go back to the patristics and the Bible and the, and the first church and what we believed. And so where do you kind of, do you think all deconstruction's bad or do you, like, what are some landmines if you feel like there could be a good form of it? Yeah. So I, I have a whole chapter that asks if deconstruction can be healthy. Mm-hmm. And I have a whole chapter that asks how could a good God send billions of people to hell? Mm-hmm. Let me deal with the hell issue first. The first thing I do in that chapter is confront us with the extraordinary goodness of God. The extraordinary testimony in scripture about the goodness, kindness, love, compassion, mercy of God. Mm-hmm. And, and just say, whatever the future holds, whatever the nature of hell, future punishment is, it's that God who is behind it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, whatever he does is going to mix perfect goodness, perfect mercy with perfect justice and perfect wrath. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the God we're dealing with. I, I really felt as I prayed about it to get us to start there mm-hmm. and, and to have a right picture 
of God, yeah. as opposed to some cavalier tyrant, you know, laughing as he roasts people on an eternal barbecue. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one thing. I also deal with the depth of human sin. And when we recognize that, we recognize that we really deserve wrath. We really deserve judgment. Mm-hmm. But then to really open up scripture and to say, let's not try to imagine Dante's Inferno and 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 like I said, you know, God roasting people on one side for a million years and flipping them over on the other side. Um, there's a finality that's often spoken of when it comes to divine judgment. And people cutting off, being cut off, perishing and, mm-hmm. and being destroyed. Yeah. That's also some of the language. So I said to, to me, uh, when I talk about hell, I know three things. It is of eternal consequence, it is irreversible, and it is horrific. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be the fate of anyone, whether it means eternal conscious torment, whether it means utter destruction and the forfeiting of eternal life. Mm-hmm. It's something dreadful we yeah. want to warn people against. On the other hand, it is wow. consistent with the nature of God. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I have loved ones died not knowing the Lord as far as I knew, you know, as, as Jewish people. And you wrestle with it, you agonize, what does it mean? Yeah. And ultimately, I come to the point that I'll be able to look God in the face and know that whatever he does is right. And whatever he does is perfectly right and be able to say amen to it because of who he is. Yeah. And I think of 51 years in the Lord as a believer, how forgiving he is towards me, how merciful he is towards me, how compassionate, how often he, he intervenes to save me from foolishness and things like that. That's the same God that's going to sit on the great white throne. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I put confidence in that while having a holy fear mm-hmm. as I move forward. Amen. When it comes to deconstruction, I have a chapter that asks whether deconstruction can be healthy. And to me, it's all a matter of attitude. If the attitude is, I just want to know the truth. And, you know, I got good friends in social media that are Muslims, that are Hindus. And the smartest guy I know is an atheist. And, and then one of my friends used to be on fire for the Lord. Now she doesn't believe anymore, but she says she's happier than she's ever been. And I don't know what to make of this. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, my college professor, they, you know, their professors, they're raising a lot of questions about the Bible. And does it just borrow ancient or Eastern myths or things like that? And I, I don't know. Okay, well, then what do you do? Jude 22 says, have mercy on those who doubt, right? So our attitude is, okay, come with your questions. Those are great questions. Let's humble ourselves and seek truth together and say, God, we believe you're there. And we've always believed the Bible is your word, but all we want is truth. And we're going to pursue it with a humble heart, not thinking after watching one video, I've mastered the subject. You know, somebody will watch a few videos and read a book and they're going to lecture me on Hebrew. It's like, no, you're not going to lecture me on Hebrew because I've got a PhD in Semitic languages. You're not going to lecture me on Hebrew because it took me decades to learn what I learn and and what you learn, I can dismiss in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So when people come with an arrogant attitude or people come with an attitude, you're going to prove the Bible wrong or show that God is wrong or show the foolishness of Christianity. You've already crossed the wrong line with your attitude Mm -hmm. and God resists the pride, but gives grace to the humble. So I caution people who suddenly become know-it-alls and they know better than people who've, who've studied and wrestled with these things for decades and decades and decades and, and kind, compassionate, gracious people who are serving the hurting and the poor and changing the world. And you're going to sit there arrogantly in your you know, comfortable apartment and judge them careful. But if your attitude is, I just have to know the truth, 
I can't stick my head in the sand. I can't just close my eyes, turn off my mind and believe I can't do it with integrity. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. That can be a very, very healthy attitude because God does not want us to turn off our minds. He does not want us to stop thinking, mm -hmm. but come with a humble, honest attitude and, and say, I just want to follow God and the truth wherever it leads. If God is there, I want to believe him. If the Bible's true, I want to believe, but I don't want to believe lies. If you'll do that with a humble heart, you'll end up stronger in your faith than you've ever been. Yeah, there's a there's thank you for that. There's um there's a lot of teachers um in the body of Christ. Um well a specific group um that I'm thinking of in particular where um their theology um is more universal, you know, and they, you know, it's finished work, it's grace, but it's got a universal scope that says everyone's included, we're all saved essentially, but what I hear, and a lot of them promote deconstructionism, and um, but what they would say is, you can question everything, just don't question Jesus. You know, I heard one uh, a teacher actually just released a book, and that's the main. Hey, we could talk about hell. We could talk about is everyone saved or not. We could deconstruct these things, and we could even deny some of these things. But as long as we don't deny Jesus as Lord and Savior, Messiah. Um, it sounds good to a lot of ears, especially people that have some church hurt, people that have been under harsh teaching, legalistic teaching. There's a lot of truth mingled with some lies um, that um, I don't know. What would you what would you say to that thought process? And then also, how can people listening to this that are in a vulnerable place that are seeking questions? How could they sniff out somebody who it sounds really good? It sounds like they're talking about Jesus a lot and his finished work a lot. But at the same time, like, how do we discern between a, a false teacher, like someone who's just an extreme or someone who just really believes in the full counsel of God and wants authentic truth? Yeah, several things. Number one, how do we know who Jesus is? Ultimately, how do we know for sure who he is? Mm -hmm. It's not based on just experience. It's not just based on ancient witnesses and testaments, based on scripture. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately how we know for sure who he is. How can we trust scripture? Jesus makes clear that the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, that's the word of God. Yeah. He quotes from it. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, uh, Paul writes that all scripture is given by divine inspiration, is breathed out by God. He's talking there about the Hebrew Bible. And then the New Testament recognizes the words of Jesus as the words of God, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we know who he is based on what the Bible says? So now you're going to say, well, only what it says about Jesus is true, but, but, but Jesus believe the Old Testament accounts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the writers of the New Testament believed the Old Testament accounts. Mm -hmm. And much of the authority by which Jesus did what he did is based on, well, it's written about me in the Hebrew Bible. Mm -hmm. So right there, you shot yourself in the foot if you say, well, we throw out everything else, but we just believe Jesus. Well, who is he? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's number one. It, it, it's, it doesn't work. The argument doesn't work because there's so much Jesus taught about heaven and hell. Jesus taught about final judgment. Jesus taught about narrow is the way, right? So are you going to believe what the Bible says about him? Are you going to believe what he says about himself? Are you going to believe what he says about others, mm -hmm. right? That's one big thing. Uh, another big thing is this. Does your new teaching give you an excuse for sin? Mm. Does your new teaching take the pressure off about holiness, about honoring the Lord with our bodies, with our minds? I mean, that's, that's a theme throughout the entire Bible. God's grace, according to Paul, teaches us to say no to yes. ungodliness. Mm -hmm. God's grace, according to the unified testament of the New Testament, empowers us to say no to sin. God's grace empowers us to live holy lives. 
Mm-hmm. Just we're saved by grace. We walk by grace, but grace changes us. So does this message of yours take the pressure off holiness, take up the cross? Does it take off demands in your life? That's another big question mark to it. Uh, and, and another is, why would there be any persecution with your message? Throughout history, the prophets were persecuted. Jesus said we would be persecuted the way the prophets were. He was put to death by a wicked, sinning world. It's clear from Scripture that darkness hates the light. Well, why is it that your message is accepted by the world? Why is it that the the very people that would have crucified Jesus now celebrate you? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, outspoken, uh, uh, godly musician, singer, well-known, mm-hmm. he was dealing with a Christian friend who was in the process of deconstructing. And he said to her, why is it that all the positions that you now embrace are the current positions that the world embraces? Yeah. Whatever the issue was, wow. whether it was abortion, whether it was homosexuality, whether it was race mm-hmm. issues, whatever it was, and that, that was a little eye-opening to her. Mm-hmm. So all this does, you know, Paul says, uh, to the Galatians that the reason that some preach circumcision is simply to avoid the offense of the cross. Mm-hmm. Many cases, this message, this progressive message, this, this enlightening sounding message actually just avoids the reproach of the cross. Mm-hmm. It takes away persecution. It takes away opposition. And what's the reproach of saying that, hey, we, we just love Jesus. We don't let go of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? If it does not mean exclusivity, why does he die on the cross? Mm-hmm. And, and why so much hatred towards him? And why so much hatred and opposition towards his followers who were known for their love, for their kindness, for their compassion, and yet they got killed and rejected? So it, it fails on all accounts. You cannot have Jesus without having the rest of Scripture. You cannot have Jesus without walking in light in the midst of a dark world. Yeah. You cannot have Jesus without the call to take up your cross and follow him. And and I just say, watch these people over the years. You will see the shift continue to go further and further and further away from biblical truth and biblical values. It mm-hmm. is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And especially when people say, you know, uh, we love Jesus. Jesus is the, you know, he's the word of God. He's the incarnate word of God. But then they're also trying to say that all Old Testament passages of judgment and different things like that, that's just human perspective on how they viewed God. Their perception was off. There's a, there, there's an attack on the Bible for you to, for you to, for a lot of people to take their positions of just Jesus shows us what the father's like. And so it's got to be, it's got to look like this, but then they want to throw away the rest of the Bible, like you said, or to say, Hey, listen, some of this was just written from human perspective. Jesus said, the scriptures speak of me. And like you said, it's divinely inspired. It is the very words of God. And so anyways, I, as we, as we close this, as we close the podcast here today, what would you say to two different people? Someone who number one is maybe in that process of deconstruction, or maybe they're struggling with certain ideas of hell, um, certain ideas on homosexuality, different things in the culture, and they're kind of measuring it up to the word. And they're wondering about the authenticity of the Bible. Someone that's in that process, um, as well as somebody who's a teacher in the body of Christ that is struggling with this right now, um, because the word of God says that teachers will fall under a stricter judgment. And so we need to take these things very seriously. And so I would just love to hear you encourage or, or exhort those two people. Yeah. Today. So if you right now are really questioning and wondering, and, and I, I went through those phases, especially dealing with these secular college and university professors and, and brilliant rabbis, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to doubt. You don't have to try to shut them off, but just come with the right attitude. Come, come recognizing, hey, there are a lot of big questions. 
There's a lot to know. There's a lot to understand. I'm not just going to think I figured it out in 10 seconds. All right. Also recognize that you can encounter God in such a way that even without answering your questions, he reveals himself and the questions go away because you encounter him so deeply. It's not a matter of shutting off your mind. It's that you realize there are no questions because of who he is. Mm -hmm. And, And then whatever you don't know, it resolves itself. Yeah. It's like when someone says, trust me, and you found them. 20 years of knowing them, they've never let you down. It's like, okay, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you. Amen. And, so and they good. come through. If, if you continue to struggle, though, by all means, read my book if you're able to, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to articulate what you're feeling. You're going to see I get it. I do understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to point you in a direction of thoughtful, compassionate answers. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, there's a website one of my colleagues has put together with a team of scholars and apologists and philosophers called Talk About Doubts dot com talk about doubts.com you can actually go there and say i'm struggling with this particular issue i can't understand how a good god would allow so much suffering and pain in this world or i can't reconcile it seems prophecies in the bible never came to pass and i i don't get how that worked they'll actually hook you up one-on-one with a bible scholar or a philosopher or an apologist or a teacher to help you work through this mm-hmm. so resources are available for those that are teachers, we need to be equipped ourselves mm. because if I'm not confident, I'm not. I'm going to avoid questions. You know, my my spoken Hebrew is weak compared to my biblical Hebrew. And if you, if I know you've got a really critical life and death situation, and you need to talk to me in Hebrew because that's that's your language, I'm a, I'm going to avoid it a little bit because I'm afraid I, I'm not. I'm going to miss something and won't be able to help you adequately. So if I know you're coming to me with a question that I'm afraid of myself because I don't have an answer, I'm not going to help you. But if I'm confident, if I've dug and studied, and hey, you may ask a new question, but I'm confident because I know their answers. I've found answers for 51 years. I know we'll get answers to yours also. So it's, hey, let's dig together. Let's find out together. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. But as you get my book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, you'll see in the back of the book, we actually have a link. And it's, it's to an, an ongoing online site on our, on our website. And when you go there, it will list source after source after source, videos you can watch that are free, websites you can go to that are free, uh, online articles you can read that are free, and then things you can buy to dig in deeper. The more we're equipped, the more we can equip others. Yes. But we have to recognize we're living in a day with tremendous biblical illiteracy. So first thing, let's get people really knowing the word better. Let's get them really knowing God better. And then let's recognize the unique situation in which we live. First Peter 3.15, let's be ready to have an answer, a defense for everyone that asks. Let's do it in a non-threatened way. So we welcome your questions. We welcome your doubts. Let's go find truth together. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Brown, for um, being on the show with me today and for talking about this vital subject and for writing this book. So why so many Christians have left the faith. How do people um, find out more about your ministry, get many of the resources? I know you mentioned, I'm going to put everything in the link section below as well. So even the talkaboutdoubts.com, I'm going to put that in the link section. You know, people can get your book. A lot of resources are there, but how do they go to their website? The line of fire is such a beautiful broadcast. How do they plug into that? And get your other books. Right. So we've got thousands of hours of free resources, over 3,000 videos, I think over 3,000 articles, all free on the website. So two ways. Go to askdrbrown.org, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org. As soon as you go there, 
Sign up for our emails. We'll put you in our welcome list and share more about my testimony background and the resources we have for you. Mm -hmm. All right. AskDrBrown.org or download our app, ASK Dear Brown, Ask Dr. Brown Ministries. Download the app and Apple, Google. And when you do, uh, just scroll down to search articles, videos, and just plug in a, a question and uh, something you're thinking about, a doctrine, a point, and you'll see tons of resources come up on so, so many of them. And then you can listen to the daily broadcast there or catch past episodes. So ask Dr. Brown Ministries, download the app and you can take us wherever you go. Awesome. I'm going to put all of that in the description section below. Again, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's a blessing talking to you and learning from you. Uh, keep up the good work, Michael. God bless. <laughs> Thank you so much. For those who are watching watching and listening to Awaken Podcast right now, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed, strengthened, awakened by the, bod by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless you, and I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. <laughs>Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org. TL.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so, bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.